that's not necessarily always like freemium, although freemium is certainly a you know, big part of PLG and successful PLG companies like a Slack and a Calendly. Uh, but uh, for a lot of companies, it's more about giving folks a trial account. So an enterprise focused company like an OutSystems or an Appian might have more of a trial where you can set up your application, kind of make sure things are working well, try things out uh, before you purchase, but you're ultimately gonna pay, you know, 100K plus probably once you do buy. So it's more about giving a product-based touch point to the, uh, to the customer as part of the buying cycle. Kyle, thank you so much for your time. Why don't you take a quick second to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your career background and how did you get into venture and then uh, really focusing on growth and particularly product-led growth right now? Absolutely. Uh, nice to, nice to uh, be on. So Kyle Poyer, VP of Growth at OpenView. Uh, I work with our portfolio companies, which we've got about 30 portfolio companies, all B2B software. Uh, to fuel their growth and become market leaders. Uh, we invest at the expansion stage, which you could think of it as like the awkward teenage years of building a software company where you have customers, you have a product in market, but you're really ready to 10X your team and 10X your customer base. And there's a lot of changes that go on uh, to, to put the fundamentals in place to do that. Uh, I've been at OpenView for about five years. And before OpenView, I was at Simon Kucher and Partners, which is the world's largest uh, consulting firm focusing on pricing and packaging strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, learned quickly there that pricing is one of the most powerful growth levers that a software company or really any company has at its disposal. But it's something that most companies are, are ignoring. Uh, they don't have folks on their team who are experts at it, uh, who are collecting data on it, running tests. Uh, and so was able to kind of experience firsthand the power of that growth lever for a software company. And at OpenView, uh, I've been fortunate to be able to work on not just pricing and packaging, but a whole host of other areas, whether that's product-led growth, go-to-market strategy, uh, demand gen, customer success, you name it. Uh, and kind of stumbled into this, into this world. I was actually an environmental studies major. Uh, yeah. Back in undergrad, that's awesome. <laughs> not not quite uh, not quite the typical VC profile. Well, nowadays it it seems like there's a, you know a, a a more diverse VC out there. You know, before it seemed to be more of these finance oriented folks, which made sense. And then you started seeing entrepreneurs really doubling down. And I think now there's kind of a more diverse skill set, which I think is fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about product-led growth, because I know that's what you folks are really popular for and, you know, and have been, in my opinion, leading the charge on product-led growth. What is product-led growth and why is it so popular right now? Absolutely. Well, and it's uh, just funny to look back on it because OpenView created the term product-led growth back in 2016. And I remember back then, uh, we were really proud when we were the first few hits on, on Google, but the problem was no one was searching for product-led growth. It wasn't a, it wasn't a thing. Uh, but you know, in, in our world, it was meant to take you know, what we had already seen being really successful. So we had invested in great companies like Expensify and Datadog uh, at that point. And they each had their own model of how they grew. You, know, you could call it bottoms up, you know, virality, B2C to B, having frictionless user experiences, consumerization of, of IT, you know, you name it. 
there wasn't a community around how to kind of put a set of best practices in place for uh, growing in a product-led way. And, and so that's why we started to, to try to create the community and, uh, and build the best practices and expertise. And our, our thinking about it has frankly evolved over time from, from 2016. But let's say the, the way at least I think about it is that uh, product-led growth is an, is an end-user focused growth model where the product is front and center and how you acquire, convert, and expand your customers. And it's not saying, hey, it's a product management centric view of a company and that there's not a room for sales or marketing, uh, but it's more you're looking for ways to show off the product, uh, get folks to see value in it and really understand what's in it for them to speed up sales cycles, uh, to have a more efficient and frictionless uh, customer experience. And you know, one way that folks who are dipping their toe into product like growth can think about it is, what are you, uh, when you think about what are you kind of spending time and money on? And if you think about there's a lot of resources you might be putting into outbound cold calling, outbound business development, to qualifying folks in the sales cycle, to having demos mm -hmm. with them, and then more demos and security audits and implementation, all of these things. And for a lot of those different techniques, product-based solutions can actually do them better than humans can do them. And they can scale so that you're not actually paying more and more and you need to recruit more people in order to grow. Um, and so for a lot of companies that's looking at, at their funnel and trying to find ways to kind of keep optimizing it. Well, this, I know this is a question that you know really well coming back from a pricing consulting background. How does product-led influence pricing? Because, uh, you know, it, it certainly does, right? If you, especially if you could nail it, and or, you know, particularly around customer acquisition cost, higher margins, maybe that means that you can, maybe have more plans. Like, what would you say overall uh, is the effect of having a product-led strategy on on your pricing model? It certainly means more of an expectation to be able to try before you buy, or be able to see. Uh, see value through free offerings. And that's not necessarily always like freemium, although freemium is certainly a you know, big part of PLG and successful PLG companies like a Slack and a Calendly. Uh, but uh, for a lot of companies, it's more about giving folks a trial account. So an enterprise focused company like an OutSystems or an Appian might have more of a trial where you can set up your application, kind of make sure things are working well, try things out. Uh, before you purchase, but you're ultimately going to pay, you know, 100k plus probably once you do buy. So it's more about giving a product-based touchpoint to the uh, to the customer as part of the buying cycle. Uh, but to me, folks are expecting to be able to uh, see value before they have to make a purchase, and part of that, you know, might might be people-based, but a lot of it is being able to get in, uh, get into the product, and uh, see it for yourself. Uh, and uh, just my, my personal view uh, too, is that I think a lot of folks ask about, hey, should I go freemium or free trial? My personal view is uh, combining the two is actually super interesting. And so Calendly and, and Airtable did that in our portfolio. Uh, Calendly is in our, our portfolio, Airtable is not. Uh, but uh, that actually provides kind of the best of both worlds for a lot of companies. Yeah, shout out to Calendly. I know they're out of Atlanta and doing really well uh, from uh, from what I've heard. You know, it's interesting because I remember joining my first like SaaS startup uh, about 
13 years ago now it's gosh it's been a while but uh i remember we were trying to do a sort of product-led thing or motion within the the enterprise and we just couldn't figure it out and we ended up having this situation where the freemium lower tier kind of product-led experience was cannibalizing our bid market and enterprise and you know there's nothing worse than jumping on a phone call with a prospect and you're like, and you know, Hey, here's our you know offering who I, who we think you should use or what we, you know, would think you should use. And it might be a, a Pepsi or a Microsoft. And then they're like, Oh, well, you know, we're already using your thing for free or we're using the $10 a month thing. And uh, so see you later. So we ended up having to, not well we didn't figure it out we had to go back and we ended up deprecating the lower tier and there yet there's companies now and that was you know 13 years ago and now there's companies that are really doing it really well you mentioned some of them the slacks and these sort of folks why why do you think that we struggle so much with having that product led at the very top of the funnel experience particularly when we're selling to enterprise yeah, I think it's especially hard to make the transition, right? Like if you're starting out with a product-led native strategy, you might not even have the ability to serve a large enterprise, right? Like you, the enterprise skew tends to come later for a lot of companies, and I think Slack is one of them. And so they build a really strong muscle around attracting thousands or millions of signups, showing them a really great uh, experience in the first 15 minutes or one day of, of signing up, and then they go up market over time. But when they go up market, it's normally that uh, they have a base of folks that are already using the product within those enterprises. So they might have dozens or hundreds of free users or teams that are paying for it on a department credit card. And they're able to go to the buyer and say, hey, don't you want to have some kind of central control management, get better support uh, and get analytics around what, what folks are doing? And so it's it's actually, in a lot of ways, easier to go up market uh, from a product-led uh, motion versus to start at an enterprise focus and then go down market. Uh, but when you're thinking about going down market, I think that it is a common that folks say, hey, we're, we're selling to the enterprise, we're selling these 100K deals, we're going to launch a lightweight freemium model. Uh, and, uh, and I think what creates a lot of challenges is that they don't actually change the culture of the business uh, or the, the responsibilities of different teams to do that in the right way. So a freemium model is really great for attracting an end user. Uh, and that means your marketing needs to speak to that end user value proposition. And it means you need to be able to find a way to make sure that person sees value quickly. And you're able to go from the individual value prop to a team, to an enterprise value prop. And it'll probably take time before sales can even talk to those leads because they have to kind of go through the product gates before they're ready. Uh, if you can do it the right way, it actually means, hey, sales actually gets a, a really great base of folks because they get large companies that come in already ready to have a buying cycle. And then they get all these qualified self-service accounts that are seeing value in the product, don't need a, a ton of demos they just want some help with, you know, answering some commercial or security questions to buy. So I think ideally uh, the motions can actually go hand in hand really well together, but in the, in the uh, interim period, it could certainly be, be a challenge. And I think for, for companies thinking about going into uh, product led from, from an enterprise starting point, I, I think 
free trials are probably a better starting point than uh, going full freemium because full, a full freemium offering could be uh, cannibalizing for your, your larger deals versus free trial has a, an endpoint. And there's a natural time when sales can reach out and, and facilitate a buying conversation. Uh, and you can go from free trial to freemium. Uh, I think that's a little bit easier than, than going the other way around. Uh, and so I think that there's, there's approaches that, that help companies make this transition a little bit better. You don't need to go from zero to hundred overnight. Totally. And let's say you don't have the resources or you just can't mobilize the resources right now to build out a you know, top of the funnel product led or free trial uh, you know, workflow and you're an enterprise organization. Do you have any tips to revenue leaders out there right now who are watching this show around just getting started, taking that first or second step into taking a product-led approach, maybe with a free trial, but without them having that kind of self-serve free trial experience existing yet. And maybe, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's something that has to be human-assisted. Have you seen any strategies around that that are, have been effective? I mean, for me, one of them is trying to, to use the product for lead generation purposes. And so I think an example I like to think about is HubSpot. So before they um, pivoted their business model and they started going freemium and, and self-service, they had a great tool called the website grader where you'd put in your website URL and they gave you a bunch of insights around your performance, how you were doing on SEO, on security, and uh, they asked for your email address. And then that was a lead for the sales team to say, hey, you know, it looks like you're doing pretty bad in these areas. Did you know HubSpot can help you take this to the next level? This will probably increase your traffic by X percent help you grow your business. Uh, and so that's like using the product as a marketing channel without having to go all the way to freemium or a uh, or free trial. And so I think that's a, you know, if I were a revenue leader, I'd think about how much money are you spending on things like trade shows, uh, TEI studies with Forrester, I mean, you name it. And could you allocate some of that budget towards these product-based solutions uh, in, in companies? Uh, I just saw one recently uh, sales loft has their, email grader where you can, uh, as a rep, put in an email that you want to send out to someone and they'll give you a bunch of feedback around ways to get a, a better response rate. And that's not a product they're monetizing. It doesn't cannibalize or compete against their core product. It just provides a really interesting lead gen funnel to get people interested in using SalesLoft for, for the email automation capabilities. Uh, I think that's a really great place to start. Uh, and then to me, an, another place is just to, to try to find ways to uh, reduce friction in the, in the buyer journey to better qualify your customers so that sales cycles are faster and to, and to you know, provide a better experience for your customers. And so uh, one of our portfolio companies, for example, has a free trial that uh, is a person-assisted free trial. They, they have someone that uh, works with the customer to set it up. It's a lower cost resource versus a full salesperson. So it's more of a pre-sales engineer or solution consultant who is pretty junior in his career. And he goes and helps implement these 30-day trials for qualified folks in the pipeline. And it's meant to show value to the customer quickly, allow them to see, hey, implementation is going to be fast with this product. And in fact, like we're already almost implemented with these guys why even consider a competitor? Uh, because we're already seeing success uh, with, uh, with this company. And so in that way, the, 
while it's not a fully open free trial experience, uh, it's something that helps accelerate the sales cycle, improve competitive differentiation, and offer the customer a better experience. And I think you know you could take that a step further and say, hey, we should really do a better job educating customers about the product when they hit our website. And so things like whether it's demo recording, self-service, demo environments, uh, or you could look at uh, what a lot of companies are doing is uh, building kind of pre-built templates or pre-built solutions that are pretty common for their customers mm. that they can try around with. So like a service now is a really expensive purchase, kind of complicated for the customer, but they have a, an app store with pre-built templates like uh, a vaccine tracking system. Uh, and that's something that folks can come to look at, oh, wow, this really meets what I'm trying to do right now as, a, as an agency trying to make sure folks are getting vaccinated and tracking that. And it looks like I could just install this and be up and running in a matter of minutes or days. And so things like that are ways that I think are a nice uh, bridge between enterprise focus and, and starting to get more product led. Love it. That's, you know, we, of course, I'm biased, but we evangelize those micro demos or pro micro product tours that are on the rails, focusing on the specific aha moments that a prospect that meets that specific buyer persona would would appreciate. So I, that, that really resonates with me. I was chatting with a buddy of mine, Adam, who uh, interviewed Doug Landis, another buddy uh, who's a partner over at Emergence, and he was talking about the future of the SDR being a product specialist as opposed to some cold collar, you know, inbound qualifiers. So that really, really resonates and aligns with what yeah. I'm hearing in the market as well. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, we have uh, a portfolio company called Deputy that's in the uh, workforce management space. So think of it like your hourly workers, they need a schedule, uh, they need to clock in, clock out. All that should be done through software versus being done manually, which you know, historically it has been. Uh, they find that uh, folks are way more likely to convert once they have their first schedule up and running in deputy. And so the, you know, the role of SDR or sales isn't just, hey, let's give this, this uh, time-strapped small business owner a 45-minute demo of, of all the things they could do in the product. Let's help them set up their first schedule. Mm -hmm. And from there, they can see it up and running. And then, you know, we can have a follow-up conversation as we need to. But that role is really helpful for accelerating conversion. And, you know, for the customer, it feels like this isn't a sales rep just trying to, uh, to get me to buy and being pushy. This is someone that is making me be successful and uh, reduce the amount of work that I have to do as an individual. So it's, you know, actually feels great. And it feels like getting extra help rather than, having this, uh, this person that, that they're trying to uh, avoid phone calls from. Totally. You know, this conversation also reminds me of Yesware, uh, Matt Bellos, and when he was early on over there, uh, I remember I was at Twitter and we were using Yesware uh, within our org. And next thing you know, they showed up and his whole motion was, uh, going to this head of sales and saying, listen, you got, you know, I got a hundred people swiping the credit card for 15 bucks a month or whatever the price was back then. Let's do a larger deal. You'll get a volume discount and you'll, we'll unlock this, you know, special reporting across the organization. And that was, you know, 2013. And then I remember sitting down probably about a year after that, or give or take, or perhaps around that same time with Kenny, I forgot his last name, but he was the, uh, the first business hire at Asana 
Arizona and he was uh, talking to me about their motion. And his whole thing was we and the sales team. And by the way, this is when they were starting to develop the sales team a couple years in already, um, you know, cause at that point it was totally self-serve and, and, and uh, product led. And his whole motion was we don't ping. We don't do any outbound. We don't ping the user unless, or the organization, unless they have a certain amount of users within the account. And there, we are able to identify like that, you know, champion inside the organization that, and that how they identified the champion was who was inviting the most people right? And activating the most people within the company, they would reach out to that person and then use that person to multi-thread out. So, yeah, it's fascinating. In a product-led sales motion, I do, yeah, I believe what's great is you have so much data on your users. And so you're (laughs) able to target that right person at the right company at the right time and with the right message based on what you know that they've done in the product, their use case, uh, their history with you. So it can be you know, a lot more, more personalized. Uh, and I think what's, what's kind of fascinating about this, this approach is the self-service business, you already have a certain conversion rate that you've been able to, to achieve without bringing in sales. And so you're looking for ways to incrementally add to that, either accelerate expansion from what had happened before, pull forward deals, be able to get bigger deal sizes. And part of that is, you know, waiting for accounts to, to get to a certain size and finding your champion and, and working with them. Uh, and then part of it is looking at the accounts that maybe had trouble implementing the product on a self-service basis and dropped out of the funnel and offering them help to kind of bring them back in and, you know, have, have a more white glove experience uh, so, because, the, you know, there are profiles of folks that might be less tech savvy or might just need some extra assistance uh, given their environment. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. I want to respect your time. I know you're super busy over there. If folks want to learn more about your content, follow you on social media, or maybe learn more about what OpenView is up to now, what are some of the good URLs or handles they should go to? Definitely check out uh, our website, uh, openviewpartners.com. You can also just go to ov.vc and it'll route you there. I publish a lot on LinkedIn. So if you're curious about product-led growth or just want insights around scaling a SaaS company, uh, you should definitely follow me on LinkedIn. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again and uh, have a wonderful day. TGIF. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me.